Welcome to the Principles of Success, interviewing the experts. And today we're talking about the little book of Zen money with the $7 millionaire. So that's not your actual name, but, um, and I'm actually spacing on the last name. It's Michael Gilmore. Gilmore. And I just found it interesting that you decided to sign your book with the $7 millionaire. Can you kind of expound on the story behind that? Yeah, that actually came from the the book I wrote before that, which I wrote for my daughter. And the reason we had that name was because she just started, when we were working through compounding and how much money you need to save and, and you know, the basic things of how you become financially independent, because I worked with her for a whole year on writing a book so that she could understand that before she went to college and she might never come home again. And I, I didn't want to ruin like, you know, that every weekend discussing it with her. So we chatted about it. We worked through the exercise and she, one day she just said to me, okay, what if I need a million dollars by the time I'm 70? What's the smallest amount of money I need to save every single day to become a millionaire by the time I'm 70? I was like, okay, I've got no idea. Like you just off the top of your head, he's like, I don't know, like $40, $50. I was like, that sounds kind of hard. <laughs> okay. So, so, you know, spreadsheet time, right? Let's get the spreadsheet, spreadsheet out. And, you know, with some reasonable assumptions, like just basically 7% return on your investments, right? Which the S and P 500 over a 50 year period has every 50 year period returned 9%. So 7% gives you a little bit of cover for that. Um, it was $7. And we looked at each other. It was like, $7 is it? That's all you need to do? And so if you save it and you invest it early. Now, that's the crucial point, investing it at the age of 20 to the age of 30. If you can do that, you save like 25 grand in the years between 20 and 30. But the compounding turns that 25 grand between the ages of 60 and 70. That 25 grand becomes 500. And that what's, that's what makes the million. And so working through that, she's like, $7, you become a millionaire, $7 millionaire. So, and I was like, you know what? I think those three words say more to people than the two words, Michael Gilmore. Right, Michael Gilmore, who, who the hell am I? You know, and, yeah. and if people want to look me up, they can find out. I do know some stuff about finance, but $7 millionaire, that to me says more. So I'm happy having that on the cover of the book. It's also, you know what? I don't, the little book series is a, huge series of books i mean uh -huh. the people that have read that people like jack bogle and that's with damadaran yeah i'm michael gilmore i'm not sure that name belongs there the seven dollar millionaire sitting amongst <laughs> those names i think that's kind of more appropriate yeah well i thought it was pretty cool and then can i just say that whoever you had print this book it's just a really well-built book i like the feel of the paper and it's just a good built yeah. book so. I agree with you. It's it's yeah. It's Wiley. They do what they do. I don't know nothing. They yeah. uh, do what they do. It's beautiful. It's like old fashioned type, old fashioned real paper, right? Yeah. Real paper feels good, right? Yep. I was like, wow, this is a nicely built book. So, um, the next question that probably the listeners are wondering is, what the heck is Zen? Oh, uh, okay. Zen. Can you explain a little bit behind that? Yeah, so Zen is a part of, of Buddhism at its heart. And essentially, it's to be really, you can only be fairly vague about this because there's a yep. lot of different ideas. You said in that it. in the book, actually, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so hard to explain. You can't grasp this. Um, 
the the it comes out of the origins of Buddhism. There is a word in in Sanskrit which is Chan, which is then moved through into China's Chan, and then in through to uh, Japan as Zen. And it's the same thing, and it is that meditative, calm, peaceful, peace of mind version of Buddhism. Uh, and there's because there's lots of different kinds of Buddhism, and we can't go into that in too much detail. But essentially, when you look at it, Zen, I use it in the sense I think we all use it, is that sort of sense of minimalism. That sense of, of you know, having a peace of mind through minimalism, not too much crazy shit going on, just a peace of mind just beautiful calmness and serenity. That to me is what I'm looking at with Zen when I talk about it. Yeah, one of the things I really liked, I believe it was in the introductory section, you talked about how um, if you have, obviously it's not possible, but if you have uh, zero expenses, then you're infinitely wealthy because uh, you have more money than you'll ever spend. And so I, yeah, I really like that section. Well, it, so that actually, if you, this is not official Zen policy, Zen, Zen philosophy, because I'm not sure there is such a thing. Yeah. But, you know, if Zen is one of those few things that like, uh, as a philosophy, it's actually got maths backing it, right? Because if you, what's, you know, every other religion, every other philosophy, what's their idea of heaven? And it's kind of like everyone else's idea is something different, right? But if you take the idea of nirvana being infinite happiness, well, you can actually do an equation for that. You can do a mathematical formula because happiness is what you get divided by you know, what you get divided by what you want, right? Yep. That's it. You get more, you you want more. And that's how we see so much unhappiness in the world because people are getting a lot of stuff, but they just want more. Yep. Right. So getting is never the answer. Wanting is actually the answer. Now let's say basic math, right? We'll learn this in math class. So you're American, so I should say math. I know it confuses the hell out of me. <laughs> um, I don't know why we have an S on the end and you guys don't, but who knows? But the if you do just basic the formula, you divide anything by zero, it's infinity. Yep. Right. So you get you get one thing and you've divided it by zero once. You're infinitely happy. And the same thing applies with this this formula. If you've got if you've got no spending, you never need to spend any money. Yep. You're infinitely wealthy. You'll never need to spend. Now, the thing with Zen teachings, as well as this, is it's not possible. We all know this. You can't yeah. do that. Um, but trying to get there is better than trying to get to the other place. You are never going to own everything. You're never yeah. going to have infinite wealth that way. But you can want less. And that's really what the book is about. It's about answering those kinds of questions, taking that approach to money. Yep. And then just going back to your moniker, $7 is the minimum you need to do. And so it's just kind of cool that you tied those two together. Yeah, it's the minimum you need to do if you want a million, but maybe you want less than a million, right? Yeah, maybe you want less than that. I mean, I'm sure you come across the FIRE movement, the Financially yep. Independent Retire Early movement. And part of it was inspired from them because they have this, this you know, you need 25 times your, your annual spending, the 4% rule. That gives you that equation right from the start, right? So what do you want to spend? And, and that's, you know, part of where the Zen comes into this is we all have this question at some point in our lives, how much is enough, right? Mm -hmm. What is it, right? And there's so, there's no real answer for it, right? But if we can actually get to ourselves and say, okay, look, this is nice. This is a nice steady level. 
and you pare back and you reduce and you reduce, you can actually get into the question of, actually, do you want, this is too much. This is mm-hmm. too much. I want less than this. Yep. Um, and you can enjoy that process. And that can give you more pleasure than adding more things in when you don't really know it, 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 what it is you're aiming for. Yep. So and that's the what, less. Yeah. The, the less stuff that you want, the faster you can uh, do fire and retire early. And then you people enjoy life so much more when they're essentially free. And so yep. that's the other reason why I like this book. Yeah, 100%. That's that's 100%. It's one of the questions why I've been asked many times, like, you know, isn't this book, you know, in financial freedom, right? It says, isn't, you know, why so much emphasis on finance? Mm-hmm. And it's like, the emphasis on money isn't for the emphasis on money. Yeah. You know, it, you're free from money yep. when you're financially free. You can then want to worry about everything else, and you will. You'll have other worries in life. But that's the one you can take out of the way. And then you can worry about how much you time spend time with your kids, with your loved ones. Yep. Uh, that's that's then that's a hundred percent of your worries, which is good, rather than how do I bring money in? Yeah, those are is... much better worries. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh so you you've already started answering this question, but my next question was what made you decide to write the book on Zen money? Yeah, it's so. I had done two books before and I'd written them kind of at the same time. So I, I'd been working on um, a book for migrant workers. So I, I used to teach financial literacy to migrant workers in Singapore. There's a lot of them there. And these, these are people who need help in, in understanding money because they literally leave their families behind to earn more money. Uh-huh. And I saw a statistic saying that less than five, less than sorry, it's 6% of them go home with the amount of money they hope to go home with. 94% fail in their goals. Uh-huh. And it's for lots of different reasons, but I thought, okay, if I can help teach on this. Now, as I was doing that, I sort of built like a workbook and a course and all that kind of stuff. And I was talking to them about it. <laughs> I talked to my daughter about it and I realized she had no idea. I was like, but the school wasn't teaching her this. She's gonna end up in the same position as these migrant workers, not understanding money. So then I started working with her and writing a book for her. So I was doing these two books at the same time. Now, Wiley heard about my book for migrant workers, then my publishers, and they said, oh, can we can we publish this book? I said, like, no, you can't. It's I give it away for free. Uh, it's, these are migrant workers. We can't sell them books. They, they can't afford books. Uh, uh-huh. And so they were like, okay, do you have another book? I was like, well, I've got this one for my daughter I've been doing. Let me finish this off uh, and you can take a look at that. So they looked at that and they really liked it. So then they said, well, do you want to write for another audience? Because that was one book for your daughter. So it's like for teenage girls and there's like specifically around some sort of subjects there. And I thought about it, it was like, no, she's the one I wanted to write for. Um, mm-hmm. But I was thinking, who else do I want to write for? And I thought, wait, the people I actually want to write for are the biggest avoidable problem with money which is the stress that so many of us feel even when we have enough money you know it's like borderline enough money you know i'm not saying like enough money to be wealthy but just we all have stress around money for lots of different reasons and i wanted to address that subject and but rather than saying money without stress or talking about the stress like what's the opposite what's the thing you want you want peace you want calm i was like okay what's the perfect version of that zen money yeah. And that's why it came about because I feel like it's this is not a book from migrant workers. It's not a book for my daughter, but it's a book for everyone else. And just like, OK, how can because everyone 
has stress about money. It's insane. I mean, literally everyone, the richest people in the world. I think a recent statistic from the US said that something like 55% of people earning more than $100,000 a year suffer from financial-related stress. Mm -hmm. $100,000 a year, they're still stressed out, more than half of them. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, and that's like top 1% of the world, I know that. Um, and yeah, it's easy. Easy. easily yeah. top 1% one, 1 of the world. And so the fact that you have all of that money and you're like, ah, I'm still stressed speaks to a, a problem of not necessarily the earning income it's the like we were talking about earlier you can always want more than what you are currently uh getting and so that creates stress yeah exactly exactly and it's about addressing that point and saying it's the other way it's not about adding in the top of the equation it's not about getting 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 it's about what you want the beauty of that is it's the one bit of the equation you're in 100% control of. Mm -hmm. right? What you get is kind of what, yeah, it, and you know, I, your your podcast is around success. And I do fully believe that, you know, that success is attainable and we can go out and we can achieve it. But still, it's what the universe wants to give you for your success too, because yep. you're competing against other people. So there's still that. Whereas what you want, 100% your decision. 100%. Yep, and there's only so much that you can do to get uh, like, for instance, you might be able to develop some really good uh, employable skills. The market still sets what those skills are worth and you can't demand more money and get more, even though your uh, lifestyle has increased. You can't yep. be like, hey, I, I need some more money. And yeah, so exactly, exactly. Yeah. The bit that's 100 percent in your control is what you spend. And yep. that, in the end, for success, I mean, let's say if you can achieve financial independence we are talking about before, that frees you up to do so much more with your life, mm -hmm. right? Because you can devote mental resources, cognitive resources to doing other bigger things. I think one of the most important things in life, I think it's a trend right now people talk about, as it, I don't even know how to pronounce it, Nepo babies or Nepo babies, like the kids of successful people that become more successful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you see this, like, you know, the kids of rich people always do better. It's because they've got a safety net. They can take bigger risks. Yeah. Nothing's risk to them. If you don't have that, for most of us in the world, we build our own safety nets. We build our own financial independence. Once you do that, you can take bigger risks. You can invest in different ways, like really high risk personally or high risk financially. That's what enables, I think, higher levels of success. But to do that when you're kind of like, you know, your hand-to-mouth, week-to-week money, it's too hard. It's uh -huh. really too hard. It's too much stress. So that's why I think this is so important. Yeah, and kind of, I don't know why my mind went to this, but um, so I, I'm LDS, so it's part of my culture to have food storage. And so we always have a safety net of food before we ever start start considering investing in anything financial. We're like, well... Worst case scenario, we still have food. It will be okay. And so as you were talking, my mind just kind of went to that. And I was like, safety net. You know, that's that's kind of it. I mean, it's it, it's actually something that's quite complicated to go into. I, I do go into this when I talk to people about, about this subject because the reality is financially independent. Um, seems like a very, like, it, it's only when you get all of your money from investments. Mm -hmm. what, if you've got, what if you've got enough money now to... The the income on your investments would pay your rent 
that's another level of financial security. And these yep. things go up levels that you can pay for food, you can pay for your utilities, you can pay for your rent out of your investments, but you keep on earning until you've got more and more and more until it pays for everything. Every single stage of this is a little bit more independence, a little bit more security. And you're 100% right, food in the cupboard. I'm I'm a big fan. My, my wife throws it out, but you know, <laughs> I, I, I go back to the supermarket. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so the different levels, um, just imagine how uh, I'm talking to the listeners right now, imagine how much less stress you'd have if they're, if your the job wasn't your sole way of keeping you having a roof over your head. If you, if your investments just provided for that, the amount of stress and mental bandwidth that would free up would be able to make it so that way you can, uh, pursue a different job. And not have to worry so much about the level of risk. Yeah. So I, I really like that point. It's a hundred percent, and that's the that's the layering on there, and it's a problem. And again, this this is why I you know part of what I work on is is just sort of advocacy for financial literacy and the fact that we don't teach many of these things. These are all really simple things. Um, governments make a lot of mistakes thinking this is all related to maths, but as you can hear, we're not talking about maths. There's no, no complicated you know, calculus equations in this, right? This is all, but if you can learn that on the way to building your finance, and so the reason I'm saying this is because people hear about financial independence, they think it's binary. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm either got no money or I get to this point where I every, you know, find my investments are paying for my entire life and no point in between is worthwhile. It's like every point in between is worthwhile. Yeah. Right. Just having that, you know, first stage, second stage, every bit of that is a little bit more security, a little bit, whether it's an, an emergency fund, a grand in the bank. Yeah. That means you don't have to borrow that grand if an emergency comes up. Because when you, if you've got no assets, you need to borrow that grand, you're borrowing at maybe 25, 30%, you know, per annum. That uh-huh. means you're paying 1,300. And then in a couple of years, that's double. Yeah. That kind of, that kind of thing is what leads you down the path. And then you'll, find it even harder to save because you've got to pay back the two grand all these kinds of things yep. kind of compound the problems there's a there's a saying that's really harsh but unfortunately it's true it's that people who understand compound interest earn it people that don't understand compound interest pay it mm-hmm. and, and it's just, it's so harsh but it's like if we could just teach more kids these these absolute basics then the, the stress levels would be much lower because people would understand exactly what they have to do uh-huh. And actually, uh, so recently I made this discovery. I was talking and I was like, I don't think I've ever really had any car problems. And then I was reflecting back on it. And I was like, no, I've had plenty of car problems. I've just always never had the stress of, oh, no, my car's messed up. I'm just like, oh, well, there goes a little bit of my savings account. Take it to the shop, get it fixed. And I don't ever think about it again because I don't have that stress in my life because I've had that emergency fund. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's it's kind of and there's so many ways that happens. You know, uh, it's I, I talk about it in the book. It's a true story. Um, my, my I had a house in in uh, Western Australia that, that burnt down mm-hmm. in, in a bushfire, and, and I, I, I I'm comfortable talking about it because no one was killed in that bushfire. But about fifty houses were were affected that were burnt down, um, and. I was very lucky that I had really high levels of insurance on that house. Um, and, you know, that came about through various ways. But I saw, I, I think I was the only person 
that was affected by that that had full insurance. Everyone else was probably hundreds of thousands of dollars out on getting their houses rebuilt uh-huh. because they'd insured, they'd insured their house at one valuation, but the cost of rebuilding had inflated so much that they would have to probably spend another $100,000, $200,000 to get back the house they had originally. Yeah. And you just see there's so many times things can just hit you from one side or another and, and all kinds of different stages and all different ways. The protection and emergency funds and all these things, these are all such valuable parts, but school spits us out into the world thinking, hey, they'll be fine. They know how they have, know how oxbow lakes are formed by rivers. They know how chemical compounds are made, uh-huh. but not how to operate in the actual system we're moving into. And yeah. that's where and that's where so much of the stress comes from. Because a lot of stress is from uncertainty. It's not knowing what to do, knowing we have to do something. But then when you're looking at it and you're trying to make a decision, you don't know what to do. And instead, you go online and you see mainly advertising telling you, buy something. Buy this. You know, spend on this, 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 right? That's like, again, more stress. And that's where, that's what the book is trying to address. Like, there are other ways. There are ways of doing this. Yeah. And so my next question was about stress, but I think we covered that pretty good. Um, so now let's go into the reverse. Some people will think about you're telling us to be more minimalistic in our money spending. What about the fear of missing out on all the fun stuff? Can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, I actually, it's I, I the first time anyone asked me this, I was like, I was genuinely shocked because it never occurred to me. And I suppose it should occur to me. But I think it's this, it, it, we have, okay. The moment you say, if I save money, I'm missing out. You're literally saying money equals enjoyment, mm-hmm. which surprises me that anyone would ever say that. It's just like, it's not the same thing. And so one of the things I have in the book is, is like, do this exercise, very simple exercise, sit down and write through, like, however many you want to, you like your happiest occasions. And then sit down and write through similar number, let's say between five and 10 of your most expensive occasions. And are they the same equations? Are they the same occasions? Because if they are, then you're 100% right. You have to spend everything. Hundred percent wrong. But if they're not, if they're not the same occasions, if you've got a lack of full correlation, then you money is not the same thing as enjoyment. And you can then, then what I do is I look and I go, I love looking at that list because I actually do do this. Um, I do sit down and write down things that make me happiest, and I look at that as my as a to do list. As like, okay, you you know what? I haven't. And this is not, they don't have to be free. They just have to be kind of really cheap and enjoyable. But it's something stupid like going for a walk, doing a workout with a friend rather than doing it on my own. Um, oh, I haven't eaten this for a while. I'm going to make pizza, right? The, these yeah. kinds of things, you know, that kind of simple stuff, it, these things tend to be on my list. And they'll, that one, I, I think you'll, if you've read the book, you'll notice that most of those weren't on the list in the book because these are things I write down recently because yeah. I haven't made pizza for a while so those kinds of things cost almost nothing they are way happier in general than the most expensive restaurant meal you've ever had yep right yeah and, one, of, one of the things i enjoy doing costs is i like going swing dancing um and it costs a whopping four dollars a night 
And I'm like, oh, so much money. I think I spent more at McDonald's. <laughs> you definitely would have done. Uh, that, uh, I love that. That's really cool. There's um, when we when we when we turn off the the button, I'll tell you about a swing band I saw recently. I think you might love. But anyway, the that's the whole point. We can all think of these things, and if you do those two lists combined, you'll see that you're not missing out by by not spending money. Mm-hmm. And that's the is it's not. This is not about having a bad life. There is this is about making sure you have a really really good life. Because the thing that money does really well is not buy happiness. Yeah. Right? That's really, you'll see, what it does do is it helps you avoid unhappiness. Now, mm-hmm. And not avoiding boredom, right? That's your problem. You've got to write down a better list of things you want to do. <laughs> what it does is like if you have a problem with your car or someone gets sick or like your kid wants to do a course that's going to cost money, but it's really important for them, or any of these kinds of things, it buys that. What it doesn't do is, you know, you know, better seats at the cinema. The film is still either a good film or a bad film. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, better seats at the cinema, yeah, they kind of make a worse film more comfortable. But that's about it. You're still not having the best time in your life. And the mm. best time in your life nearly always requires just a little bit more thought than it does money. So that's why I was shocked. The first time someone said it to me, it's like, what if I just want to enjoy myself now? I was like, and what I, what I realized is it, it, that is part of this equation of not knowing how much is enough. Mm-hmm. Therefore, how much enjoyment is enough? Well, I don't know. Therefore, I've got to spend all my money. And essentially, people, I, I do think that no one thinks this consciously, but I think a lot of people think it unconsciously. If they've got money left over in the bank at the end of the month, they haven't had a good enough time. So it goes. Uh-huh. And, and it, that's like, we need to address that. And that's why, again, we come back to Zen. How much is enough? What is real enjoyment? And looking looking at our lives directly. That's one of the quotes from, it's a, Alan Watts was a philosopher. And he says Zen is seeing reality directly. And that's uh-huh. where, I, where I sort of view Zen money is. Look at our relationship with money. Honestly, what do I really want from it? What can it do for me? And where am I using it to hide other things? And that's what one of the things I hope to achieve with with this book. And people that read it hopefully can achieve. Yeah. So you actually made a point that I've never actually been able to connect. And it was the people's mindset of uh, if there's money left over in the bank, then they didn't ha- obviously didn't have enough fun this month. And I've never been able to quite put it into words the way you did. So I appreciate that. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't think anyone thinks that directly, but people's behavior suggests that's how they think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and when I talk about finance and f- fear of missing out, I always like to talk about the other side of it, of uh, I'm more afraid of missing out on not being able to spend time with my future kids uh, because I have to go to a job that I'm busy getting yelled at for. I'm like, well, that doesn't sound like too much fun. I'd re- much yeah. rather be disciplined now and not have to worry about the fear of missing out on my kids' future soccer game or yeah. football for British people. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, actually, so... I'll tell you about it after we stop recording, but I have a fun story for you. Uh, So your book is divided into essentially um, four sections. You have the introductory section where you talk about Zen, and then you have three chapters. And the first chapter is 
Zen in the Art of Money Management. We already talked about a lot of stuff related to that chapter. Uh, we talked about money stress and fear of missing out. So I'm going to skip ahead to the next chapter. And this chapter is called The Path is a Mission. And mm. can you kind of talk about how you came about that title for this chapter? Yeah, so I, I, if you give me a list of more than about three things, I'll forget one. So mm -hmm. um, I, I use mnemonics and, and acronyms whenever I can. And this came back from teaching when I was teaching the um, the migrant workers. And I was wanted like a path or sorry, I wanted a, a, you know, a, a system for teaching them about from the really, really basic levels, because I didn't want to assume people knew anything to go like, OK, you're not comfortable at all talking about money all the way through to how do we get you actually investing? And what are the things you need to understand through that? And it just came about that I was playing with the different subjects on the way and basically came up with money, income, saving, spending, investing, owning, which is missio, and then could add N on the end for now, which gave me a mission. <laughs> um, um, and then that we kind of put that together. I was like, Okay, that's kind of nice. And it was good for talking to the migrant workers. They were mainly Filipino, so uh, Catholic, so they understood the concept of mission as well. So it kind of all fit in with that. Mm. And a mission is a path too. So they understood that sense of a path. So that was where that originated. The idea in, in um, the book of Zen Money is that this is really extending it into the concept of a path because I think that is what so many of us lack is knowing that you're actually on a path you're going from here to there and mm. knowing what the path looks like and how what the signposts are and how to get the different stages of the path you're going to go through no one tells us this what we get is we get kicked out of school with no information then you get a lot of advertising you eventually hear about fire and you think i have to get all the way to you know 25 times my annual spending how the hell do i get there but yeah. actually Little steps is the way you get there. And that's why I wanted to combine these two things. It's a path because paths are so important and the sense of mission and what those, and the mission ideas, money, income, saving, spending, investing, earning now, these are the signposts. You need to understand what money is. You need to get income in before you can save anything, right? Yep. So saving is the next step after income because the moment you earn, you've got to save. We put that before spending. Because yep. everyone who saves successfully saves at the beginning of the month, not at the end of the month. Mm -hmm. You know, saving at the end of the month is accidental non-spending. It's not saving. It's passive, which is why people don't feel good about it. You mm -hmm. feel good about it. this money beginning of the month. That's going into the account. Everyone who does that feels good. Everyone who waits to the end of the month, say, have I got any left? Have I got any left? Have I got any left? I won't buy this. I won't buy that. They never have any left and they're unhappy about it because it's passive. So that's why spending comes after saving. Investing, obviously crucial, owning, because I really want to make that distinction between speculating, investing and ownership. You're building towards ownership. And then now, because this is when we start and I needed an N on the end, otherwise it didn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> the idea of a path is crucial. I don't know if you have this where you're from in, I, I'm guessing in the US. I grew up in the Cotswolds in, in the UK. And if you walk across, there's a lot of footpaths just across fields. They've been there for centuries. Um, but they're not beaten down. Like they're not uh, earth with grass on either side. They're not tarmac. 
it's just people have walked across this field a lot. So the mm -hmm. grass grows like this, not mm -hmm. like this. Everywhere else, the grass is growing straight in all kinds of different directions. But because people have been walking, it's a bit more trodden down. So it reflects the sun. And you just see it, right? You see mm -hmm. it right ahead. We don't have a lot of sun in the Cotswolds, but it reflects light. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, you if you've been on one of those kinds of paths, you've also walked across one and not seen it. Mm -hmm. You can only see that path at one end and at the other end. You yeah. cannot see it from the side. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of path we're on. We're on that kind of invisible path where you've got to be on it and you've got to know all the steps. Because if you come at it from the side, and that's what I mean, like, if you're 32 years old, you've not really focused on it, you don't really understand money, you've heard a lot of advertising, someone says to you, you need a mortgage, you need insurance, you do this, you do that. You don't fully understand what you're doing because you're crossing that path and you walk straight across it. Whereas if you come to a point of, I know what money is, I know what it does for me, I know why I need it, I know what I'm doing, and now I'm going to buy a house because I've got a down payment, I need to do this, this, and this. You fully understand the stress isn't there. You know where you're going. And that's the big difference. And that's why I wanted to incorporate that path mission because mm -hmm. the mission is the signpost. They're the big landmarks. But the path is small, little steps all the way there. Yeah, so I really enjoyed that. And then your last chapter is about, we're out of time, but your last chapter is about, I really like this function of having exact steps. You have, uh, I believe, 49. Uh, 49 steps for people to take, and you just follow the steps. Everybody likes a step-by-step -step guidebook, and your last chapter covers that pretty good, so... I appreciate well, that. Well, it's kind of, it, it's, they're all just kind of suggestions, but there's, there's things you can do in a day. It's like, you could do that for seven weeks. And mm -hmm. the idea is it's just, because we talk about big steps and with, and you know, there's, there are these big signposts, but what are the little things? And, you know, one of the really valid questions that people say right now is, okay, look, there's a cost of living crisis. I can't afford to save my, everything costs more than it did a year ago. My income hasn't gone up as much, which is, this is valid, right? And it's hard. I don't want to underestimate how hard that is. But what you can do is you can track your spending mm -hmm. because actually budgeting before you track your spending is meaningless and it's zero cost and it's genuinely painful. I'm not saying this is easy. I mean, it's easy <laughs> to make a booklet and it's easy to write stuff down. But then mm -hmm. to look at the end of the week and go, oh, wow, that was more than I thought. And that was more than I thought. And that was more than I thought. But that's where I come back to if, you know, Alan Watts saying Zen is seeing reality directly, then that's what Zen money is. It's looking at your money directly, really taking on no denial, no, ima no imagination, no dreaming. But this is what I spend. This is where it goes. Okay, I could maybe cut here, here and here. And, and maybe I need to spend it somewhere else. Maybe I still won't save, but I can optimize. That doesn't cost anything. And we put like a few steps about doing that right into the book. Yeah. So, and that's what I wanted to do that. Just like the really, really simple stuff. Well, thank you, Michael. Thank you for the, coming on to the show. Thank you for writing the book. And if you guys want to purchase this book, I will most likely have a link down below, or you can just look it up on Amazon. Is there anywhere else that you would like to send them? Yeah, if, if people want to, they can go to uh, zenmoney.net. Um, which is this kind of the website of the book. It's very simple, but I think there are 
maybe like 20 plus of those single steps as individual pages sort of mm -hmm. somewhere on the website. Uh, you'll see, I think it's just called the blog of the website. And we put out like 20 of those individual steps so they can see exactly what we're talking about uh, on those individual steps and try them out for themselves. Okay, sounds good. And once again, thank you. And we will see all you guys next week.